I'm Jacob Tackett. And I'm Dylan Curtis. And this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Hello. Welcome. To the I'm Wondering Podcast. We are here again for another week. I think this is episode 46. We're coming up on our wow. one year. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane we haven't been shut down yet. I yeah. think that's what's insane. Well, and I guess if we want to get super technical, like at this time last year, we were recording podcast episodes. Did we start this early? I'm pretty confident. Yeah, we were probably about a month. Yeah. Because then we, yeah, because we wanted to get quite a few ahead. Yeah, that's super worked out, hasn't it? That's been, we were super ahead for mm, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, such is life. Such is life. So we could be more on top of it, but thanks for sticking with us. Uh, I think we're like in the 2,400 play range, which is crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. So thank you for listening, everybody who listens, yeah. anyone who suggested a topic. Sorry if we haven't covered anything you suggested yet, but such is life. We're doing we're doing what we can. So we're trucking along. Yeah, we're making it happen. So this week we have a fun topic because Jacob just got back from San Fran, specifically the tenderloin. Yeah. So fun fact the people who live in San Francisco hate it when people call it San Fran. That's amazing. Like that's like their telltale sign that you're a tourist. Well, yeah, I would be if I was in San Fran. Is by calling it San Fran. I wonder why they started hating that. I, I yeah, I don't know, yeah. but I had heard it. I mean, I've been to San Francisco a lot, and I've heard it. That's funny. Lots. They prefer either San Francisco or the city. The city. Yeah. The city, because they're the only city. They're the city. I always love city pride. That's yeah. pretty funny, because the opposite is true. Coming from Colorado Springs. We knew you were a, a tourist if you said Colorado Springs, because we so, all call it the Springs. Yeah. Right? So that's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, anybody from San Francisco or the city, uh, this one's for you, because we today will be covering, with Jacob's return from a mission trip with our youth, we will be covering some mission stuff. Yeah. This is not a comprehensive mission sort of thing where we talk about the methodology and all that you should do. Uh, we're just going to share some of our own mission stories, talk about some scriptures, and then, you know, maybe some critiques people have about missions and, and where they're going in the future. So, and if you go to our church, yeah, we didn't have Lucas on, sorry. He is our missions pastor, but yeah, it is what it is. So enjoy it. Don't enjoy it. We're here for you either way. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we, let's just do this. Yeah, welcome. Here we go. So like Dylan said, we're going to talk about missions. Um, and that is a big word. You know, we talked a lot recently in a podcast about the difference between mission and missions. And Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we, we, we dabbled in that a little bit um, and what it means to have God's call on our life to be on mission, but also to go on missions. Yes. Uh, so we're going to maybe dive a little bit deeper and talk about what it means to go on missions 
a mission trip, short term, long term. There's differences. And so, like Dylan said, I just got back uh, about a week ago, as you're listening to this, from San Francisco. Uh, Myself, Pastor Amy, uh, Michelle... Kramer. I'll say their name. Michelle Kramer, Scott Francis, and our intern, Allie, uh, took 11 11 students, and we went to San Francisco and had an absolute blast, uh, taking a bunch of high school students on public transportation, um, definitely aged me, for sure. Um, but we had a blast. I, it's hard to explain the experiences that we had, um, but it was fantastic. We had a student accept Christ, uh, which Woo-woo. is, I mean, I don't care how awful the trip could have been. Uh, that would have made it be- even better. So, but the trip was great. Uh, nice. We had some amazing ministry. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about San Francisco. Uh, so we live lived. We did live there for the week <laughs> um, in the Tenderloin District, which is about a one square mile district in the in the heart of the city. Um, but it is not a part of the city. So Jacob, I have to ask you, was it a really nice cushy area? No. No? No. No, it wasn't nice? No, very much like basically everyone you talk to on the street is either holding a needle to shoot up fentanyl or they have a crack pipe, Oof. and they're smoking crack right in front of you. Jeez. With the cop, like, walking down the street right beside them. Like, yeah. It's a, it's a different world. That This mission trip is n- not cushy um, at all. How does it compare to other ones you've been on? Is this, like, the roughest area? This you've... is the roughest yeah. area. Apart, granted, you know, I've been on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Um, sure. And that's just, it's different. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this is neighborhood wise like people wise this is the roughest that i've well ever and been like on. in comparison to the country right 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 sure. some of those yeah, other yeah. countries yeah. like the dominican and i'll share about guatemala like those are places we know are underdeveloped or like developing versus america which is the wealthiest nation and you go to the tenderloin right. and you're like uh what what i'm sorry so yeah uh tenderloin district has about thirty-five thousand people who live in that square mile um, and SROs, single resident occupancies, um, pretty much all government subsidized, um, 110, 120 square feet. Oh my gosh. Little things like they are tiny. That's so small. They are tiny. Um, some of them can get a little bit bigger, you know, 150 or so. Oh yeah, real big. 200 maybe. Um, but yeah, they are, they are very, 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 very tiny. Um, and, and then they also have about seven to 8,000, uh, people who live on the streets coming in and out of the Tenderloin every single day uh, to sleep. Because that's just where the city pushes everybody. All the drug use is pushed there. Mm. It's pretty much everywhere else in San Francisco is really nice and beautiful, except for the Tenderloin. Yeah, that's where they hide everybody. Yeah, it has its own beauty. Um, A piece of my heart will always be there, um, and I will always take as many people to the Tenderloin as absolute possible. Sure. Um, Sure. And so, yeah, we... Did a lot of like bagging groceries um, for people to come do pickup, which is uh, fun all in and of itself. Uh, Trader Joe's donates a ton of food. Shout out to Trader Joe's. Yeah. Um, and we bag groceries for people to come and pick up. And the majority of them are these Chinese women uh, who speak Cantonese. Mm-hmm. And they're all like five foot two and scrappy. 
Yeah, I, I did hear something funny from you that I would love for you to share. And yeah. That's that Pastor Amy almost got into it Pastor with Pastor Amy did. These Chinese women. <laughs> you should have heard her. Like the spirit came upon Amy and she's speaking in Cantonese. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> that didn't happen. I wish it did though. That'd be amazing. Um so yeah, none of them speak English. Um sure. and so in the COVID season and even still now, what they do is they make everyone they have a card that has like their date, that their day of the week that they can pick up. Um, and so we have to check their card and their numbers, and they all stand in line. And we let them come f- to the door five at a time. Yeah. And so if you're managing the line, you are on the front lines of getting beat up. Like, oh, I'm sure. They are very aggressive. Um, and so Amy was, she was dealing with the line. <laughs> and these ladies... These two Cantonese ladies did not like each other, I guess, and Got were fighting it. over position in line. And sure. Amy had to wedge yeah. and get in between them so they wouldn't fight. Good for Amy is she played rugby in college. So she, she's got some wedging skills, She's I'm got sure. some wedging skills. But it's sad, honestly, because these women, you know, a lot of them are immigrants. You know, sure. Come, you know, first-generation Americans um, and have a lot of people back home. And so what yeah. they do is they come and get all of this food that they don't need, and then they go on the street and they sell it, and then they send all of that money home. Mm, sure. And so they are very protective over what they can get. Well, yeah, because they're thinking in their minds, like, if I don't do this, my family doesn't eat back home. Right. And so now everyone, all of the people who get eggs, that's the, that's the hot commodity is eggs. And so they only get 11 eggs. They don't get a full dozen because they found they're less likely to sell 11 eggs than they are to sell a full dozen. Hmm. Because no one on the sh- no one really wants to buy 11 eggs. They want a full dozen. Which is crazy because eggs are like comparatively in food, like eggs are pretty cheap. Right. Right. So, huh. Yeah, it's fascinating. I want to do like a whole case study. Oh, I'm sure people have done case studies on yeah. the tenderloin. It's Yeah, it's fascinating. And then we also did street ministry every night. So, uh, for about two hours, we just took boxes of food and go out and talk to people laying on the streets. Sure. Um, and that's when you really, like, that's my absolute favorite. Um, it's my favorite ministry to do while we're there. Yeah. Um, it's scary, uh, but that's, oh, cause that's sure when you is. see, you know, you're talking to people and they start shooting up and they're yeah. lighting their crack pipe and mm-hmm. you see a lot. Yeah. Did you, uh, was there like a lot of gun violence while you were there too like did you hear shots going off uh, we heard gunshots two different nights sure sure um, yeah so pretty violent very pretty violent compared to long months yes um and a whole lot of i don't know what the drug is called that you know for overdosing oh narcan narcan yeah yeah that's basically like you can't buy it but it's like basically sure. tylenol yeah in the tenderloin they were developing narcan like right as i was leaving walgreens when i worked in the pharmacy um because we had people who'd come in ask to use the bathroom and would shoot up in the bathroom so they thought it best if we had a couple in the pharmacy in case that happened but that happened after i left but they were in the middle of getting that figured out it's crazy it is crazy and it's just so i mean you were there i wasn't but i can imagine just the heartbreak of seeing that um yeah, it's just a, it's a very different yeah. world, and like, there's a lot of critiques people will heap on the way San Francisco is dealing with it. I get that, like, yeah. but I am glad that people have de- developed things like Narcan, yeah. um, and that 
that's a step towards at least saving lives to start and how you rehab, how you get people well in that situation is I think way more difficult and complex than any of us in our armchairs can, you know, fathom. And and I don't want to politicize it, but in the Tenderloin, it is a very much a political issue. Oh yeah. Um, Because the DA, what has happened is they've kind of decriminalized this drug use. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've justified it with the production of Narcan and sure. because it's saving lives. Sure. So they, and then they consolidate, I'm air quoting here, all of the drug use to the Tenderloin district. Right. Then it can be contained. And so they're just not enforcing it. Right. And I think Portland <clears throat> passed something last election that was similar, like where they decriminalized it. I think Denver was trying to pass. Yeah. I think they decriminalized certain drugs. So I get it. Like, there's that hard line, right? Like, is is criminalization, is enforcement the solution? And not to get into, like, a criminal justice podcast, because I would love to do that. And I'm sure I would disagree with some of you who listen on this. But, I mean, rehab is so necessary, because, yeah, I say something like, it saves a life, but what kind of life is there at this point? Like, they need rehab. They need help. They need to be, you know... And then, like, even then, like, you rehab, go to apply for a job. You have a job history gap, right? Because you've been on the street doing drugs. So, like, they can't get into a job because of that. So there's a lot of problems in the chain, if you will. And it's easy for us to say, well, just throw them in jail. But that doesn't solve the problem at all. And this, I'm going to share this because it also breaks my heart. And there's no easy, like, solution on this. But, like, San Francisco also has a DA who's in the process of being recalled, I'll add. Sure. Um his decriminalization of basically any any drug in the tenderloin area um part of why it's a problem is he doesn't see the people overdosing as the victims he he sees the people who are the drug mules as the victims and so he gives all the people who are dealing drugs he says well they're the real victims because they're being trafficked by the drug lords in mexico and so he gives all of them the breaks not the drug users right Huh. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, basic economics, if you decrease demand, then you decrease supply. (laughs) What? So if you focus on rehab and helping these people and less and less people need the drugs, then you won't have the supply. You won't have the mules. You would think. But anyways, we could I could get yeah. on that because I was a poli sci major and we yeah. argued about stuff like this. Yeah. So and so we also went into these SRO buildings um, and brought meals and just knocked on doors um, yeah. because our government subsidized. You can't talk about God, sure. Uh, you can't say Jesus. You can't pray for people. Um, but these are all doors that people. If we knock on the doors, they have a written like they have their signature in paper on paper in pen that's saying San Francisco City Impact can knock on their door. So if they ask for prayer, or if they ask you to talk about Jesus, you literally have to step into their doorframe. You still can't even talk about Jesus when you're asked to from the hallway. You have to step into their doorframe legally, um, or they will get kicked out of the building. Huh. I wonder if that's equally enforced uh, with other religions, too. Like with any kind of religious evangelism. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The Tenderloin has my heart. It is... Such a rough place, but every wow. time I go, I'm like, man, I love it here. Yeah, and we had you had one of our students share his experience during the weekend services, and yeah. that was really cool to see, just yeah. kind of the impact that had on him as well. So, yeah. and he got some really dope 
le- leopard print. He did shoes, which Ugh. were hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. Um. And but we also it's very real. Like we were on the receive. We had a student who was on the receiving end of some very racist remarks. Hmm. Um, yeah. And the student has never experienced that before. Yeah. And so now we have to process through that, and mm-hmm. it's it's a very real place. Yeah, yeah, it is a very real place. And I was talking to one of the parents who went on the trip with you, and it's just, yeah, I could tell how much it hit her and how much it's just easy for us to become blind. And I'm not saying that in like a derogatory way, but it's easy for us to become blind to the situation and world that other people live in when we live in a pretty much suburban well-off area, it's easy to be blind to, oh, there's places in America uh-huh. that look like the Tenderloin. Yep. It's like, that is not, that's not the world I thought we had. And so your viewpoint <coughs> becomes very much, you know, a result of your situation now. And you yeah. don't realize, no, there's some serious issues that we need to address. <laughs> very. That are heartbreaking and terrible, and yeah, yeah. that Jesus calls us. Oh yeah, to address, and we'll get there in a minute. Yeah, we will. So, yeah. what about you, Dylan? Yeah, my big mission experience. I have been to Guatemala three times. Uh, twice was on a dedicated mission trip, and then once was um, we went with the. Um, it's called Top of the Lake Coffee. It's the coffee we serve here at the church, Brent. Um, who owns the the company, took some of us uh, on a trip to meet his local partners. So he, essentially, with every pound of coffee he sells, and this is not sponsored by Brent, by the <laughs> way. He's just an awesome, awesome guy. So I want his, uh, his work to be put out there. So Top of the Lake Coffee. Uh, if you Google it, you'll probably find him. I'd say buy his coffee because it's both really good, and he does great stuff with his profits. So he takes like very ethical. Yeah, very ethical. So he takes he works directly with farmers and then he takes a chunk of his sales and puts it into a greater good fund, which essentially goes directly back to funding uh local businesses in 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 uh in the area. Uh Atiklan, Lake Atiklan has like all these different um cities around it. So he takes that money and puts it back into the local economy for like textiles and other things that that generate revenue for that area. So he has partners, people he has relationships with, sees multiple times. He's helped flown some of them out to here. Um, so just a great dude, and what he does is is helping that area a lot. Um, so yeah, and it's great coffee. And it's great coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just check it out. Top of the Lake Coffee. Um, but yeah, we went there for that trip, which was super fun to meet all those people. But the two mission trips, we went to, um, a village area called Santa Apollonia. Um, most people don't know Guatemala is actually kind of mountainous. It's kind of a similar vibe to the mountains in Colorado, not as big, but a lot of winding roads, things like that. Um, so we went up there the two times I went. Um, so we actually, what was cool is we built a relationship and like rapport with the local people, with the big local church there. There's a Catholic and a Protestant church. And we of course worked with the Protestant church. That's funny. Um, but it's maybe a town of like a thousand people at most, like pretty in most houses. Like there's some people who have like little nicer houses, but it's pretty much cinder block houses with tin roofs. Like that's what that's what it is. So when we were there, the first time we helped build uh, like a um, foundation 
like digging up all the dirt, all of that for a little church in a village up the street. Um, and when you go there, like, I mean, these, the kids had like world vision shirts on. I mean, it's like the, the places that are really poor, like yeah. destitute poor that they send food to. And so it's a shock, kind of like the Tenderloin where you're just like, wow, like this is the state that people live in. So we did the church work and then we also ran, it was funny, the first year we were there, we went in May and May is the rainy season in Guatemala and it had rained so bad that there were mudslides. So the teachers, the normal teachers for this little village up the street from Santa Apollonia couldn't make it. So guess who got to run the school? (laughs) All the gringos. That's crazy. We got to run school for the week, which was super fun. I still have a picture that I laugh so hard when I see it. I've got like a recorder. And the thing is, this is this is the ridiculous part. So like tattoos, and I've got plenty of tattoos on both my arms, uh, in a remote part of Guatemala is not it's not good. Um, you gang members have tattoos. Wow. So I had to cover up. So it wasn't that it was hot because it was the rainy season, but I had to cover up. So I'm here in like full pants and a full button-down shirt sitting in this tiny desk in like a barely lit dirt floor room with like these janky desks. I have a recorder and I've just got my recorder playing my recorder while Andrew leads the recorder class for all the kids. And it was, dude, it was so much fun. Like those kids were awesome. They were great. Um, Super nice, super polite. Um, But yeah, most of them end up having to work like a couple years after they get like the most basic education. Wow. Because that's the only way for their family to survive. So it's, it's different. I mean, it's just such a different world. The second time we built houses in Santa Apollonia, we built houses, two houses. And by we, I mean like we helped and they actually had local workers who did the bulk of what needed to be done and fixed most of our errors. Right. I was about to say, let's be honest here. Yeah. Which is great. So that's a big thing. Like I want to stress that I love that that happened because Sometimes on mission trips, and this is a critique that we'll maybe touch on a little bit later, a lot of times like you take jobs from people when you show up and do a mission trip, yep. um, whether if it's a building trip or whatever. like If you're doing some sort of physical labor in those countries, you're usually taking jobs from people, um, which is not helping the local group, right? the local people. So I'm glad that both times we were there, there were always like a good amount of local workers involved. Um, and then our building projects were the credit for those were given to the local church. So that's another piece I think is really important that we don't get the like white savior. Like we just show up, we've got right. the money, but like all the credit went to the local church. So just like a, a couple lessons that have always stuck with me so deeply. The first trip we split up into small groups and went to people's houses for like Bible study. And I remember walking into this one house and it's got just one like light on a string, and that's what's lighting the whole room. Dirt floor. Their benches in there were two like cinder blocks with like a two by four. So we sit down, and the Bible study leader gets up and says, "Today we give thanks to God because we lack nothing." Right, and that's mm-hmm. a very like that was wow. just such a shock to my system because. I realized, and I think a lot of us do on these trips, like we realize how much we idolize and take our physical stuff as a sign of, whether conscious or not, like a sign of being blessed by God or what have you. And we put so much stock in that, that if someone's destitute or they don't have those things, they didn't do something right or they're not blessed by God, like 
that's kind of the mentality. So when someone gets up who, to you, seems like they're barely surviving, says, like, we have nothing to complain about, you're, you're going to get checked pretty hard. Yeah. And I was checked pretty hard in mm-hmm. that moment of, like, wow, like, what does matter? So that, that has always stuck with me of, like, wow, I need my priorities. Like, for them in Guatemala, it's God, it's family, it's friends. Like, that's it. We had massive meals when we went to people's houses, like probably the special meal for the year, like that they save their money up. They give to to these well-off white people from America. Like we, yeah, just there's so much that you experience that you go, huh, who's really poor? Like that's kind of what I walked away thinking. And I was like, sure, we might have like actual wealth physically, but like spiritually, I think we're a lot poorer than we realize. Um, and I learned that from the Guatemalans and, and I'm very thankful that I did, mm-hmm. um, because it was wonderful to, I mean, I felt like a brother or sister with all of them. They were so welcoming. They don't know us, but they brought us in. Like, it's just a hospitality and a warmth to those people that I've never experienced in America, um, that I think we can learn a lot from. So those trips hit me hard. And one last little thing was the difference between going in. 2015 versus, um, or no, 2016 versus 2017. So the election in America, right? So 2016, when we went, um, there was no problems. No one looked at us and went, oh, you white people. 2017, because Donald Trump honestly was very divisive and a lot of Guatemalans told us that. So I'm not trying to provide political commentary. I'm just saying he was such a divisive character for Latin Americans in general that when we went again after that election, we were getting flipped off. Like we were getting all sorts of weird looks from people because we were now associated with America and Donald Trump. So it's, it was fascinating to see some of the differences even between those years and how like international, our politics are international politics, whether we like it or not, any big country, their politics are international politics. Um, So yeah, just a fascinating observation. But a lot of, lot of checking on those yeah. trips where you're like, wow, okay. Now, and if you haven't been on a mission trip, please go. Yes, it's inconvenient, and you probably will have to take a week of your hard-earned vacation, and you will have to sometimes spend upward of fifteen hundred dollars yeah. plus to go on a trip. Go. Yeah, if you can, go. I mean... It is absolutely worth it. You'll get sick. That was one thing every trip I made. If you can hear my voice. I got sick, yeah. Jacob's still... And he stayed in America, and he's still gotten sick. (sighs) I mean, I'm not like sick sick, but... Yeah, it wears you out for sure. Your body's just tired. In Guatemala, there's no plumbing, like where we were at. So, um, I mean, there was plumbing, but you couldn't flush toilet paper. So anytime you wiped, you had to throw it in the trash can next to the toilet. So now there's this pile of, yeah, like dirty. So that's one thing you're like, oh, okay, that's weird. You can't drink the water. And here's a distinction that people don't think about. It's not, you can't drink the water, not because it's dirty, but because there's just different bacteria. And we've had a Guatemalan friend who's come up here a couple of times to visit and he can't drink the tap water here because there's different bacteria than back home. So like that's a uh, in some areas do have very dirty water, yeah. but yeah. it's not as if every like Latin American co- it's just dirty water. It's fine for them because the bacteria in it their body is used to. But yeah, just weird stuff like that that it's you crazy. never. 
oh, showers. That was yeah. always super fun. There was never, I think there was one time I got a heated shower out of the 20 showers I've taken in Guatemala. Otherwise, it's like ridiculously cold water, and that's all you get. Yeah, that's what I've learned the secret of wet wipes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wet wipes are my best friend when it comes to mission trips. Um, but so, yeah, those are a little bit some personal stories. Um, I could talk about the tenderloin all day, um, and well, I would good. love to. So if you want to hear more about it, please come talk to myself, or I can give you some students who are on the trip, and they would love to tell you about their experience. Jacob is tender for the tenderloin. Yes, I am. That's a bad joke. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, so we're going to read some scripture here, um, just some backing of... Um, why we should go on mission trips um, and the importance and some scripture validation uh, behind that. So uh, we're going to begin here with Matthew 24, uh, verse 14. 14. 14. It says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, they're not going to hear about it if we don't go. Yeah. So we got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul makes that argument in um, Romans. He kind of builds off this continual question asking, you know, how will they know if no one goes and who will go? And so, yeah, kind of need to go. Important. Um, and just to, I want to put a little caveat here. Like, as a Christ follower, like, this is all encompassing. Yeah. Like, you don't get to choose if you're called to missions. Right. You are. Yes. Every one of us as Christ followers. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, you all know this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Self-explanatory. Yet again, go. Uh, Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be on be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Boom. We're his witness. Yes, we are all apostles and, and, and disciples. We can take comfort that when Jesus is with he's us, he's with us. The Holy Spirit is empowering us. We're yeah. not alone. Ca- caveat similar, like Jacob had his caveat, I have mine. Like, you're, the mission trip you go on is, it's not going to be what you expect at all. No. Like, if you end up going on one, you will have so many assumptions, and it will not be anything that you expected, but Jesus will be with you, and you'll probably have your eyes open to some pretty amazing things. Yep. And then finally, we'll end with Mark sixteen fifteen, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Do you think Jesus meant that conditionally at all? No. Okay, me neither. But we could talk about <laughs> whole creation. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Mm. You be preaching to trees? Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting back to the hippies. Yeah, yeah, some creation. So yeah, those are just a few verses. There's a lot of verses about <coughs> the gospel, its proclamation, our part in that. I mean, yeah. you could just Google it and find a ton of verses. So these were just a few ones you know and ones that you should know. So that's it. Boom. Uh, but there are some critiques that we want to touch on really quick because I don't think it would be right for us to talk missions up as if there's not some struggles and downsides and critiques mm-hmm. about it. So the first one uh, we have put down is what I coined, transfer. I didn't coin it, but cultural transference. Um, so I'm actually reading a book right now in my Romans class by a guy named Jackson Wu 
who is of Woo. Chinese descent, um, who was raised in Australia. Um, and so his point in the book is to examine what's called the honor-shame culture, uh, which all of us kind of probably get an idea of what that looks like just from the name. Um, but that was very much like first century thinking was honor-shame. But in this, he's talking about kind of the struggle with theology in modern day, specifically how the West is so often dominated theological thought that that to people becomes the norm. Like whatever, you know, the Western world thinks is theologically right is theology. So like we might call it African theology or Asian theology, but Western theology is just theology. So his critique is not that that's wrong inherently, but that um, theology has cultural baggage with it because it's impossible for us to not live out of our experience or our worldview or what have you like our that's going to influence the way we see God, the way we interact with God. And God uses those things to, I think also interact with us. So it's not to say we can, we can't leave, we can't live a cultural, like there's no way you can shed your culture. Um, but as a result, a lot of times people in non-Western cultures, when, when Western Christians show up, don't see Christianity only as an acceptance of Christ, but also as an acceptance of the cultural values that come with that Westerner. So that's one of the critiques people have had is that we've imposed too much of our Western culture. We've almost made it just as important in the gospel as Christ. And so when you're accepting Christ, you're accepting the Westerner view of Christ. Um, And you have to toe a fine line because there are, Obviously, things in some cultures, and our culture very much included, and we've talked at length throughout the podcast on this, um, that are contradictory to Christ, to the gospel, to the way of a disciple. So you do have to like push back on some of that stuff, um, but we always have to be mindful of how much our culture is influencing our sharing of the gospel with people. So that's a critique to just be mindful of because yeah. it ha- that has been, honestly, that has been mission work from the West for a long, long, long time. It was yeah. not just mission. It was also culture with that. Uh, it was almost used as a form of colonialism, right? right? Um, so, And that, that's, uh, I'm going to shout out the Catholics here. So I think the Jesuits oh, yeah. got it right. Like, I, I feel like I would be a Jesuit back in the day. Right. Um, just they're, you know, they care a lot about um, education um, and being well-educated yeah. and being smart and knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Yeah. Um, but they were also huge on missions. Um, and so they went into yeah. cultures and appropriated those cultures but didn't compromise sure. the gospel. So if, like, there was a specific dress, those missionaries would dress that way. Yeah. And yeah. some papal authorities didn't like that, but it, they didn't care. So, yeah. I mean, uh, there's just so much that does not contradict the gospel that is... Right cultural in different countries. And so I, it's not, I don't see the point or the reason for us to try and throw those things out Agreed. and say, Oh, that's a gospel. It's not a gospel issue. Yeah. Like, stop it. Stop it. I do. I do have to critique the Jesuits just a little Get bit em. because their motivation, like why they came to be was a bit skewed. I mean, they came to be because they were fighting back against Protestantism. Right. So like that was part of the reason. So there was some power struggles in there too. Not oh, that they didn't do missions. Always. Right. And not that obviously God uses us to accomplish things and we, everything we do, there's humanness to it. So God uses that stuff. So I don't, I'm not saying that the Jesuits shouldn't have been, 
just that I think there's there's human motivation behind that too. Uh, yep. Uh, so the next one is a critique about missions is making people projects. And so this kind of this idea of the white savior that we're going to go in um, and we're going to take pity on the poor and we're going to fix everything. Um, and we see people as someone that we can fix or need to be fixed. Um, and so we take that as a responsibility on our own shoulders. Um, and we can't. Yeah. We're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to fix ourselves first. Like, yeah. I think Jesus's words, like the poor will always be with you is such a hard statement to swallow. Yeah. Cause it fights back against that mentality. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, we can save everyone. Yeah. And it's like some people and not being, not that being poor is like wrong. Right. Right. But his point was being, I think his bigger point was like, people will always be suffering, you know? So yeah, that's hard to accept. And when I think about this, this critique and it's, it, it is spot on. Um, when, before we were going on our mission trip to San Francisco this last week, I was prepping our students a lot, and we talked a lot about the tenderloin and what to, we're going to see. And what we kind of framed our conversations around a lot was um, not being poverty tourists, but rather yeah. poverty pilgrims. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you're a poverty tourist, all you're doing is you're going around and you're looking and you're not getting involved. Sure, sure. Um, and that's kind of kind of falls in the same realm of that we're just going to go and fix people's problems and then leave um but when we're on a when we're on a pilgrimage we're on a journey and we're there to make progress um and to get to know people um and to invest in people and experience something new yeah yeah that's really good that's a good distinction to make next up on the list uh we've put down experience junkie Mm. uh so i would say i've seen this quite a bit um, and we talked about like, you will have a good experience. Um, that's absolutely true. But yeah. my big critique is when I see people, how do I say this? But like you go and get your picture, you know what I mean? Like you get your picture with the poor person or with right. the, you know, the, the little Guatemalan kid. And like, you kind of, you feel really good. You did something like you went and helped and, it's that stuff that kind of rubs me wrong because that bleeds into, I think the, the tourist mindset kind of like you're talking about where it's like, Oh, look at these poor people. Look, I went and helped them. And absolutely. Sure. But at the same time, like they're not, it's not for you to a, I think just from a (coughs) good old American point of view and Liberty, I don't think it's right for us to, like basically post that stuff without their permission. Right. Like that's, that's not right. Um, and it's just, I think it makes us feel good. And so we have to check ourselves and be careful not to go on mission trips because we're feeling maybe a sense of, Oh, I need to feel, I need to do more. I need to feel better. You know, that motivation to like somehow make up for a deficit in your life. And the way to do that is go do some grand thing, like a mission trip. If that's your mentality, I would say stop and you need to pray because that's not going to be a helpful mentality to go and have this experience to make you feel better about yourself. Um, And we're all guilty on some level because it does make us feel good to go do those things. Um, But if that's our main motivation, I don't know that we're honoring Christ um, with our actions. So to just be mindful of that if you're contemplating a mission to not go and do it because you feel guilty and you have to or whatever... Um, to really just go because you want to honor God, you want to go serve people. Um, because I've seen a lot 
of people fall into that trap of they get yeah. hooked on mission trips because they felt really good. Um, and then that becomes kind of the loop of why they keep doing yeah. it. And sure. Like, like I, you know, obviously we just went on a mission trip and it would not go over well if I came home and we never talked about the mission trip. Right. Right. Like right. we need to talk about the mission trip. Um, but we need to talk about the mission trip about what God did, not about what we did. Yeah. I mean, in acts, right. They add 3000 to their not like, these are all the recorded accounts of what's happening in the acts of the apostles. And it's yeah. a celebration. It's a look at what God is doing. Yeah. So it's not wrong for us to to share like we have today or or like we did on Sunday. Like those are great things to mm-hmm. share for the church to be aware of. Hopefully it brings encouragement and inspiration yeah. and all of that. Um, so it is a good thing to share about this stuff and talk yeah. about it, but to just check our motivations. And we had a little bit of a reality check, a motivation check um, in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, I'm still processing it. Um, I still don't really yeah. know what to take of this, but we were walking back to our min- or back to our home base, like where we slept, yeah. um, in the Tenderloin. Sure, um, sure. And we're a bunch of white kids. There's a bunch of white kids and some sure. adults, so it's obvious that we're not from there. Yeah. Um, and the guy on the other side of the street yells across the street at us. Basically, like, say, I don't remember the first thing he said. It's like, leave my home and stop bringing... And then he said, stop bringing your kids here to teach them a lesson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, okay, first off, that's somebody hurting. Oh, yeah. Hard. Absolutely. Like big time. Um, but also I was like, wow. Yeah. 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 I get that. Oh, for sure. I could see for how sure. this is can be embarrassing and demeaning for, for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think that falls a lot into that experience junkie. Like, don't just yeah. go on a trip so you can have this experience and this yeah. high. Like, it's not yeah. about us. Or if you're a leader, to take your kids to straighten them out. Or, right. Yeah, put the fear of God in them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, hard. It is hard. It is hard. Because some of that's unavoidable. Right. Like, you will be confronted with those experiences and emotions because that's just going to happen. You know, but there's a lot of pre-trip prayer and consideration and education you can do to hopefully combat against yep. that slipping in. And our last one, what's the future of missions? Mission, missions. Mission, mission. missions. Uh, I would say the one thing that I really loved about Guatemala is we worked with a organization called Merge. So the whole reason, the whole impetus behind Merge was that a local family who was who was uh, employed by the organization. Um, so in this case, a Guatemalan family who had been working for them is the one that directly, they spend all of their time with any groups that show up. So they are translators, they are, uh, cultural navigators, if you will. Um, I think that that shows more where I think the, a positive direction would be. Um, cause if you just like show up, and you have like maybe a translator. I think there's you're gonna fall into a lot of problems doing that. Um, maybe if it's an English speaking country, sure. Maybe you wouldn't. But to like get a lay of the land to ask this family questions, like, well, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. You know, it really helps you navigate the cultural uh, milieu. The, Mil- the fancy milieu. word milieu. I hate that word. Of yeah, yeah. It's a fun word. Um, so that's one thing. And then I think we're going to see a lot less like, um, typical building projects, things like that in the future. I think we're going to see a lot more partnerships 
and that you go over and spend time with whatever church or community and just like build relationships, build relationships, build relationships. So I think we're going to see more of that happening um, and finding ways to support the local church and local Christians in what they're doing um, rather than going and quote unquote, all the things we've kind of critiqued, fixing all the problems, being the saviors, yada, yada, yada. I think you'll see a lot more mutual respect in the future for missions and a lot more equipping the local church to do that work rather yeah. than us coming in and somehow filling a gap that I don't think is really necessarily there at times. Um, if anything, these local Christians and church leaders just need the support. Yeah. Um, so I think it will change. But I will say, if there are any listeners who are secret multimillionaires or billionaires, <laughs> you can fix some problems. So you call can, me. Yeah, you can fix some problems. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, there we are. There's some mission missions, the importance of going on mission. Um, yeah. Some critiques and some personal story. Uh, thanks for listening. We got a little bit of a I'm wondering. Yes. So we're going to follow up from last week's I'm wondering about movies. So uh, Dylan, I'm wondering, what's a TV show that everybody loves that you just seem to hate? Oh, gosh. There's plenty. Um, the one that is seared into my brain because of my parents, whom I love dearly, um, is ER. So funny quick story with this. In seventh grade, I hid my grades uh, from my parents. Um, I was stupid, and I took my report card from school because they gave it to us, which, let's be real, that's kind of stupid. Right. Um, or they mailed it. I can't remember. <clears throat> All I knew is that I got straight, I think I got straight Cs. And like in our household... It was if you gave your best and you got to see, that's fine, uh, as long as you put yourself to the task. Uh, but I could have done better, and I slipped from a couple Bs down to Cs, and so I knew I would get grounded. But the penalty would be like a week. Sure. Uh, but instead, my genius seventh grade mind <laughs> decided I'll just burn the report card. That somehow is going to make it disappear. So I burned the report card, lied to my parents for several months. Oh, they didn't give us grades. They didn't give us grades. Eventually, my dad went and got the grades. They sat me down. I got grounded for a semester, a whole semester, Dang. which was pretty brutal. And I couldn't watch TV. I could watch, well, I could watch TV for like half an hour a night, but I had to watch whatever my parents were watching. Oh, the worst. And turns out ER was just super popular still at this time. And so... It was a lot of ER. So I came to hate ER because it's boring. I know George Clooney was in it, but get over it, people. Right. He's a better movie actor anyways. But I just, it was horrible. Just people dying. People, yeah. it's not fun. Grey's Anatomy is the same thing for me. Yep. It's new school ER and I don't like it. It's dramatic. It's you will get people fighting you saying I don't new care. school ER. I think it's dramatic. I think it's overdone. I don't see the appeal to it. I don't want to watch people dying in an ER. That's not fun for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably mine. I have others, but I'll stop. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, The Walking Dead. Sure. Uh, started out phenomenal. Like two seasons in, I'm like, sure? this show is really riveting. And then it just became a soap opera. Yeah. Then it was no longer about zombies, and it was just about people and Zombie. versus people. And so... Uh, it just became an op. I didn't like it. I don't think it's a good show anymore. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it for years, probably. Sure. I don't even know if it's still on. It shouldn't sure. be. Um, I'm sure there's reruns. Yeah. 
they shouldn't be producing it anymore. I think they still were at least like a year ago. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. I watched like three episodes and was like, this I don't like this. Yeah, it was good. It it was because I think at that time like it was new, like no one else was doing it. Yeah, but it's zombies. Everyone's done zombies. Yeah, it's usually movies, not TV shows. Right. But but yeah, so just I could. I could never have... And they're The Walking Dead. I get it. The people who are alive are The Walking Dead. Yes, yes. Great commentary on life. Well, guys, (laughs) we're going to end it there. This is... Fun fact, this is our shortest script ever and one of our longest episodes. Who knew? Who'd have thought? We'll figure this out one of these days. No, we won't. Um, Don't lie to the people. Guys, thanks for hanging. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, hit us up, Facebook, Instagram, email us. I'm wondering podcast at gmail.com. Uh, talk to us on Sunday morning. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Have a cup of coffee and just relax and worship Jesus together. Um, yeah. Guys, we appreciate you. And until next week, I'm Jacob. And I'm Dylan. And this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. <laughs>